0: At Ultimate Guide to Partnering, we bring you the leaders in this industry, the best in the business, from the leading tech organizations and the hyperscalers, the ones that are driving the greatest influence and impact to our world of ecosystems. My next guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering leads a massive business at the largest software company on the planet. His organization, is responsible end-to-end for driving go-to-market and selling across the lower enterprise, the mid-market, and the small and mid-sized business market across the globe. And today you'll learn how being a partner, the ultimate partner working with his organization, can help you achieve your greatest business results. This is The Ultimate Guide to Partnering, the top partnership podcast. In this podcast, Vince Menzion, a proven partner sales executive, shares his mission to help leaders like you achieve your greatest results through successful partnering. And now your host, Vince Minzio. Welcome to or welcome back to The Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and today I welcome Kevin Piesker, is the president of SMC, Small, Midsize, and Corporate Accounts and Digital Selling at Microsoft. And he joins us for an exclusive view on how this significant component of Microsoft's business is leading the charge, how his 7,000-person organization globally is leading with a partner-led, and partner-assisted mindset during this time of rapid change and digital transformation. I hope you enjoy and learn from this discussion with this incredible business leader, as much as I enjoyed getting to know Kevin Piesker. Friends who know me well know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 20 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. About five years ago, I added Athletic Greens, and now their product, AG1, has become my go-to green drink supplement. AG1 is packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. If you'd like to give AG1 a try, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with every new purchase. Check them out at athleticgreens.com forward slash Vince M. Kevin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Vince. Fantastic to be here.
0: I am so excited to welcome you to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You're the president of SMC and Digital at Microsoft, and I'm thrilled to have you join our listeners today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So,
0: for our listeners who may not understand your role and the mission of your organization, can you take us through that?
1: Hey, sure, Vince. And is is it okay if we do this with a little bit of energy? Is that all right? I love energy. Let's do it. Oh, man. Thanks so much. It really is terrific to be able to engage with you, Vince, and with the rest of the partner ecosystem, who I know and love. Let's maybe start on your question against the mission. As well, Vince, Microsoft is a very purpose-focused organization. And our mission, based on empowering every person and organization on the planet to achieve more, that's where we come from. So within that vein of that's the Microsoft big mission, My role is to lead Microsoft's small, medium, corporate, and digital sales organization. We call it SMC, very creative, an acronym, among many at Microsoft, by the way. SMC is a 7,000-plus person organization. We do just under $60 billion U.S. of revenue. We are aligned to serve over 90% of the world's customers. And we do that in a very digital-first way. As you can imagine with the scale, we do that by leveraging talented people. Over 90,000 partner organizations engage yeah. with us in any given day and month. And we bring the best together of our partner organizations, our people, and Microsoft technology to serve our customers at scale. And so maybe just from an SMC perspective, leveraging off the big mission is we are there truly to leverage the technology, leverage our global reach, and deliver meaningful local impact, so everyone in the economies we serve can benefit from digital transformation. That's who we are.
0: It's such a significant remit, right? It's everything except the enterprise organizations. If you That's break right. that down, right? That's
1: right, and maybe for the partner team, the, yeah. the enterprise within Microsoft is sounds like a lot, but it's actually very few. If you think yeah. of the global ecosystem. It re, enter, our enterprise team represent eleven thousand organizations globally, which out of the tens and tens of millions is very, very small.
0: Yeah, and so when we think about this partner ecosystem, yeah. this is the organization that's really touching it most exactly. significantly, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Like I was a GM at Microsoft. Yes. And when I was in the business, we had different approaches to going after SMC. In fact, we had SMB, and then we had corporate accounts, and then we, we combined those together to create SMC, and it was a little fragmented, if you will. We didn't have like a collective approach. Can you take us through how you're driving greater impact and how you've organized for success?
1: Yeah, thanks, Vince. You, you're right. By the way, it doesn't matter what organization a person is in, whether it's a partner organization with 10 people or a large organization that has a couple hundred thousand people like Microsoft, there is continuous iteration around what is the best way to organize for success. And from a Microsoft perspective, we've gone through multiple different sh- views of how we should align ourselves best to serve markets and to serve customers. Our current perspective, which we initiated just over a year ago, is that We have a tremendous business serving the enterprise. Within the enterprise is our large public sector customers, the largest corporate enterprise customers on the planet. We felt it valuable to look at our small, medium, and corporate size customers with a global lens. So we did a fundamental shift. We aligned each of our country organizations plus our digital sales organizations and our global marketing. We align that together in one group. This year, we we are iterating to also bring the partner ecosystem into the end-to-end construct by which we think about our go-to-market. So the business of SMC has fundamentally gone from being divided into areas, into a global organization with a clear alignment around our our corporate customers, and our small, medium business customers end-to-end in every country of the world and having consistency through that process. That's the shift that we've made, and that's how we're going to market now and into the next fiscal year and beyond.
0: And I think that's what's really significant, and for our listeners who don't understand that, is that Microsoft breaks out by, by geographies, geos. Yes. And yes. then within geos, vertical segments, right? That's correct. And, and so what you've done is now combine that so it's not so fragmented across the world. You're creating a powerful organization, probably with a, re- a repeatable model for success, exactly. a go-to-market model. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Yeah, Vince, you are, you are spot on. Vince, straight out of business school, coming to you live is the statement that you just made. What it is from our perspective is there is great consistency of the go-to-market motions. There's great consistency as we think about Microsoft solution areas, Azure, modern work, business applications, about how we bring those product areas to market. And I think the big transformation for us is a realization, which we were doing on a last mile basis in in specific geographies, a realization that our enterprise customers are looking for certain outcomes and engagement. Our corporate managed, large mid-sized corporates are looking for a certain engagement. And then the SMB market is also looking for that. So a shift for us has been to look at each of our solution areas, pick Azure, determine what is it that are the best ways that we can go to market, engage with corporate customers in Azure, with small, medium business customers in Azure, and then work it end to end from marketing through to Microsoft badge team members, through to our partner ecosystem to really drive end-to-end success and ultimately enhance the way in which we go to market together with the partner ecosystem. So that's a pretty fundamental shift, really at real time there, but it's been in the works and we've already put some of those aspects of that strategy in play. So I'm excited to deep dive on the partner
0: piece, but before we get there, we've been living through both exciting and interesting times, right? Some really yes. great excitement coming out of Microsoft. We had the America's lead for ChatGPT come on the podcast not too oh, long ago. fantastic. Now. Fantastic. So really exciting there. But we're also living through significant headwinds. In fact, the last few years, right? Ever since COVID, the lockdown, yes. and now the financial headwinds, I'll call them. What do you see and how is your business evolving during this time of rapid transformation?
1: This, this is one of these ones where I think perspective truly is everything, and let's just step back. COVID was hopefully a once in a generation event. Actually, I think with the way in which technology is evolving, we should be able to respond to future scenarios like COVID uh, in a much different way and in a much faster way than we potentially did through COVID. And we we saw that the impact of tech in that regard. But after thirty years in the tech industry. Uh, I've seen economic highs and lows many times before, Vince. COVID, it altered the perspective, of course, of how and where work is done. From a Microsoft and the rest of the technology industry, we all saw a considerable increase in demand for our products and services, which drove rapid acceleration, frankly, in moving to the cloud as, as organizations maybe move their timelines and compress their timelines forward in that regard. I think the macroeconomic conditions that we have all faced and are facing with inflation, energy access in certain parts of the world, it's affected many industries more dramatically than anyone could have anticipated coming out of the pandemic. People will say, oh, I saw it coming. Well, nobody has that crystal ball. And so after this rapid period of expansion, our entire industry has had to adjust And most companies, including Microsoft, we've had to make some really tough choices over the past three months. Importantly, as an organization, and I hope our partner ecosystem feels this as well, our shared values of respect, integrity and accountability, they aligned us to the aspects of, well, what is within our control within our business? to be able to execute with finer precision and greater operational rigor. So, Vince, I think in this sense, while it's been challenging, I'm actually really personally very optimistic on the gift that change and challenge has for our businesses. I I shared a quote recently with my team from Marcel Proust, who was a French philosopher, poet, and it, it translated, it states, Happiness is good for the body, but it's grief that develops the powers of the mind. And I'm sure you have, Vince. I've seen over and over that it is in the most challenging times that the greatest learning and progress is made. And as we reflect on what some of those learnings are, it's clear. Companies that embrace the cloud, partners who made strategic technology investments and built up their capabilities and modernized their practices, they accelerated their leadership position in the market. And those who did the work are experiencing that their expertise, even in difficult times, remains in high demand. I've seen this in multiple geographies around the world. And then now you layer on top of that, the enhancements, which you just mentioned in AI, of AI itself, artificial intelligence, moving from hype to reality. If you think about the Gartner hype curve, hype to reality, we we clearly are at another significant inflection point for our entire industry. And in that regard, Vince, I think our partners stand to benefit immensely from the next wave of innovation, which will occur, which includes the current wave of innovation that was really accelerated during COVID. COVID.
0: I, I am in so agreement with you about these times, these times of headwinds. We've seen this before. Some of the greatest entrepreneurial ventures have grown out of economically challenging times, right? You bet. Uh, we're starting to see this now. And I, and I think this is, we're, we're in a place right now where I think the invention is going to happen in an even bigger way. Oh, what do you see from the customer side? Like what are they willing to do now that they weren't before?
1: Vince this this is it, it, it is absolutely phenomenal to me and I'll give you an example recently I was asked to do a keynote in Chicago which I did with the YPO organization Young Presidents Organization which is actually composed by the way I didn't realize this of a young presidents and then a graduated young presidents group so in the room were 120 plus CEOs, owners of their firms, amazing businesses that crossed every industry. And I did a keynote with them and then answered questions, keynote for about 45 minutes and answered questions for 45 minutes about AI and the impact of AI on their business, on their kind of lived reality. The f- response was phenomenal and I think, Vince, you and I have probably grown up in this industry where a lot of our time was spent engaging with chief information officers, with digital officers, CISOs. What I'm finding foundational at the customer level is how in tune, aware, and how desirable it is for CEOs to truly understand what can technology do for me in let's go to the basic core in either assisting me in operational efficiencies or in changing the way that I engage with my customers at the c suite level it's a foundational question and what we're seeing from the entire ecosystem of customers whether they're the very largest or those that are smbs is a deep desire to engage I think a little fear maybe of not being left behind, but more so, I think it's a bit of a, a Darwinian moment of an understanding that, hey, I as a leader better innovate, otherwise I'm going to be passed by, who's someone, by someone who does. It's a yeah. really, really interesting environment that we're in, and I've, I've never seen it as compressed and as active as it is right now.
0: Some great insights there. What about if I flip this over to the partner side? Sure. What are you seeing from partners working with you and your team? And what would you say to them now to get them best engaged with working with your organization?
1: There's different scenarios of partner engagement, and maybe I'll break it up into, into a few. Partners on one side, global solution integrators, system integrators, they've been working deeply to build industry specialization and capability to drive innovation, not large national partners who are building services to allow for both the movement to cloud, but also application development. I, I'm seeing a deep industry from that ecosystem interested in, in truly determining what are the customer outcomes that they can deliver. Smaller partners who are specializing in aspects of the tech stack, whether it's in cloud data or it's in security or it's in modern work, aligned to industry outcomes of modern work. Those groups are doing phenomenally well being specific about industry outcomes and and customer outcomes in various sectors. And then if we think about the massive ecosystem of scale, which would be through the large global distributors or large distributors who are engaging with thousands of partners that are that either are serving the entire stack or being more specialized. I'm seeing that entire ecosystem shift in its development. And so from a Microsoft perspective, what's been really, really critical for us is being adaptive to what's required by each of those tranches of partners, ultimately with the end goal in mind of being their best partner to drive and deliver customer outcomes. I think that ends up with providing longevity for the partner organization with their customers. But then also from an internal Microsoft perspective, how do we also ensure that we're assisting in providing outcomes from some of our digital assets, from our telemetry of what we're seeing in the customer ecosystem. And that's been, I'd say, more of a newer development piece for us of that end-to-end communication that we have through our partner center to be able to provide leads, get the feedback when there's some Microsoft expertise involved for the partner to know who to go to, where to get that from, and then to go align together to engage and win with the customer and then for the partner to move on to the next and win in in the next one from the shared learning that has occurred so I, i i think of the entire ecosystem vince in a few different sub segments because that's kind of how i see it operate yeah
0: many organizations are learning to do more with less and as you think about how you're going to reach your revenue targets this year I recommend you check out PartnerTap, a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. PartnerTap's pipeline discovery and co-selling platform. PartnerTap's pipeline discovery and co-selling platform will help your channel and sales teams to hit their revenue targets faster, even with fewer resources. PartnerTap gives your teams the new automation and partner data you need to source more pipeline, and close deals faster with your best partners. You can find out more information at partnertap.com. And multiple partners in that client account, right? We talk about the I call it the five seats at the table. It might be seven or eight partners that are engaged with that one client. Yes you mentioned the telemetry. You were talking about partner center. And yes. that really is the hub, right? For the organization, for the partners to come together. Yes. Uh, a, lo- a lot of work right now on marketplaces. We won't dive in too deep on marketplaces, but recognizing that having a marketplace solution, I call it a non-fungible token, right? It gives the partner the opportunity to stand up their offering in a way that helps them best engage with your team. Is that not right?
1: Yeah, you you bet. I when When I think about, well, what's the best engagement with our partner organization, I try and put myself in the position of, okay, if I'm a partner organization working with Microsoft, knowing what I know about Microsoft, what is it that I would do to optimize success? And in discussion with, with principals and owners and CEOs and presidents of partner organizations, we basically go down that discussion. And to your point, Vince, it, it is clear that Microsoft is got, has a strong solution alignment. Azure. Azure infra, Azure data, Azure AI services. We think about Azure in that way. And therefore, when a customer contacts us, when we contact a customer, if you think about the go to market of how we, how we view the segments that we serve, the deliberateness by of partnering with an organization that has built capabilities, expertise, certifications that can respond to the customer's requirements and take them from an infrastructure perspective through to application development. Because really, the application is where all the value is in terms of outcomes. That understanding from a partner perspective and the alignment of us with them through marketplace and through the certification systems that we have, that truly provides a massive amount of trust, alignment, and makes for the connection to be very, very seamless between our organizations. So I'm seeing more and more partner organizations uh, be in alignment with that, make appropriate investments with that so that they are tightly intertwined with Microsoft. And then of course our responsibility is to assist with that skilling, to provide incentives that are in alignment with that so that the partner organizations can earn dollars for their activity and their investments. I think those two things go hand in hand. You're
0: bringing up some really good points here. In fact, we've had Dan Rippey on the podcast. Dan leads the Microsoft Cloud Partner Program. There was a lot of rumbling in the partner world back when it was first announced. I think it will be a year ago this month, in fact. And then Dan brought clarity to the conversation. And really what you're doing is you're saying, hey, show us that you're invested. We're jointly invested in our outcomes. Show us how you're doing that. And that will help us better engage with you. It's logical, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs>
1: logical. <laughs> no, and, and I think that sometimes we, we do as organizations and as an ecosystem, we make things really, really complicated. At the, at the end of the day, there's a customer who is in name, the industry, and their desire is to be able to earn enough funds to pay the salaries, so the people in their organization could put food on their table and to have some money left to invest and some money left to pay the investors, a reasonable return. That's the essence. And so therefore from a customer perspective and a partner perspective, the tighter we align to the outcomes that are required to make a difference, to empower every organization means we make a difference. We are purpose-led about the success of others, not the success of, as an example, the success of Microsoft. It's through the success of others that Microsoft will earn the right to continue to invest, continue to operate. I think the easier we make that, the more streamlined our engagements are in driving success in the market. Yeah.
0: And a lot of organizations are looking towards Microsoft, right? You go back 40 years ago to Boca Raton when the PC came out and Microsoft licensed, Bill Gates licensed the software. An ecosystem was built at that point. It's amazing, right? And you and I, you talk about 30 years. I think I've got 30 or 35 years of experience here. But Kevin, what have, you've been around these partnerships for so long. What do you see from the best ones? Like the best in the business do, be, do better,
1: oh with without a doubt and yeah it's been a it's been a privilege i started my my first partner job was in 1992 1993 in sydney australia at that time it was you drive over to the partner you cajole them to get a cup of coffee with you you talk about your offerings in a speeds and feeds of your offerings and you sort of beg them to please 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 consider selling whatever it is that we have in front of you and I'll be back soon. <laughs> so think things have moved on, but on from that, but in a way they haven't in. And, and I say that I think obviously the entire ecosystems offerings have changed. we've gotten much more aligned to not pushing speeds and feeds down into the customer ecosystem. We are all about driving. What's the end outcome, which is fantastic. What I'm finding, though, is again and again over the decades, the great partners, the truly ones that are special, they have amazing clarity. A great partner knows who they are and what they want to be. And I also see that they invest to succeed each day and to succeed for tomorrow. So they succeed to win in the near term, clearly, because they've got to pay bills with the margin they make, but they also find a way to carve out dollars to be able to position them for the next wave. And there was a recent stat that I saw, I can't remember if it was from JP Morgan, but anyway, over the last 30 years, there's only one technology company that has been in the top 10 largest organizations in the world. That's been Microsoft over 10 years. Organizations come and go. Think about the partner ecosystem. There have been partner organizations that come and go. Our industry is aligned to agility, rapid change, rapid transformation. And so that concept of, well, I'm just going to worry about today, that's not success for tomorrow. And I think the third element, if there's a third element, would be I find that, Partners who truly, truly desire long term relationships with their customers, they act differently from others who are just trying to uh, optimize margin, optimize profit. They act as though, well, we're going to be here for decades, and therefore, we're going to do what's required to pr- bring you the best of technology to your organization and do that consistently. We're gonna change with you, push you, challenge you as a, as a customer around what's required so that you can be your best, because when you're successful, we'll be successful. Yeah. So I, I see those three elements repeat time and time again, Vince, La- last, last one might be is, I think from a Microsoft perspective, we, we hold our values very, very strongly internally in Microsoft respect, respect for our customers, respect for each other, integrity, doing the right thing, regardless of if anybody is watching, and accountability, which is fundamentally, do what you say you're going to do. I recently was in Redmond, and we had the 14 largest partner organizations in Japan, the CEOs of all of those partner organizations with us in Redmond. And we literally, we discussed respect, integrity, and accountability, how we act as Microsoft. And the partner ecosystem, those very senior folks talked about what the values are from their perspective and how we therefore aligned, which effectively builds trust. So if there's a fourth pillar, it's trust uh, built between the vendor, built between Microsoft and between our partner organizations. So those would be the big four that I've seen. So the
0: respect, the integrity, the accountability, and trust. And I talk about trust like... If you don't have trust in the room, you don't have oxygen in the room. You don't have a partnership in the room. Beautiful,
1: beautiful. And that other one, though, the first one I mentioned, which is I just I'll stress it because I sometimes see confusion, a great partner knowing who they are and what they want to be. I think sometimes there's a view that, well, hey, I've got I, I as a partner, I'm serving this customer set. I need to be great at everything, modern work. Uh, Infrastructure in the cloud, data, AI, cybersecurity. I need to be awesome at all of these elements of business applications. I think it's really, really hard for most organizations to be awesome at everything. But it is much more achievable to be phenomenal at certain elements and build a great business off of that, which has a reputation that's second to none. I think many customers will have multi-partner relationships because they look for some degree of specialization and expertise. Yeah.
0: I love what you have to say there. I, I refer to it as sort of showing up as a shiny quarter and a bucket full of shiny quarters, all the thousands of Microsoft partners, right? Brilliant. I love what it. makes you stand out right? what yes. is from a business value perspective? And then you also touched on, I, want to, I don't want to forget this, you talked about agility, And I also I talk about a set of fundamental principles around what makes successful partnering and agility is the part, the component. Microsoft will shift. Right. A few years ago, we weren't talking about teams. We certainly weren't talking about ChatGPT. And so how do organizations pivot or invest in a way without betting the farm, I guess, is what I would say. So think about areas of growth where you can invest in your business to grow the business with and through your relationship with Microsoft.
1: You bet. Think think about, you, you're, you're so right. I mean, aspects of the stack, which weren't there five, seven years ago, that's not a long period of time. And they weren't there. And now they are becoming predominant discussion points and execution points with customers. As a small example, we, we launched this concept of do more with less to respond to, economic challenges that are occurring in many industries and one of the discussions that i've had with end user customers is tell me what is it that you are fundamentally object what what your fundamental objectives are as outcomes during this period Mm -hmm. and sort of layering down and getting into well is it changing an operational aspect is it getting efficiency is it enhancing the way in which they're engaging with a customer in, in a dirt, dirt certain part of the channel? Whatever it is, what we've seen is this concept of, I just can't have a project that takes me 18 months or 24 or 36 months to deliver a return on investment. I need a faster turnaround. Otherwise, I'm frankly not going to invest. Yeah. Well, several partners have figured that out. And they have built very quickly a low code, no code type application development section of their business. We we do it off of Microsoft Power Platform to be able to go in and take an analog process, digitize it, not in six months, but in a week, and then layer that in to the company's operations so that they can handle things more efficiently Or if they have a staff crunch, they can't get the talent to be able to handle more business with less. And that to me is just a great example of how partner organizations looking at their own talent, doing a a little bit of Mm reskilling to then align on a market opportunity. To your point, Vince, that is agility. And I think we'll see even more of that emerge as AI begins to be infused as a copilot against so many aspects of how organizations think about their operations.
0: So many great learnings today, Kevin. For the listeners from, from the hundreds of thousands of Microsoft partners that are out there, how can
1: they best engage with you and your organization? That's a fantastic question. Thank you for asking it. Please, we have an amazing partner organization led by Nicole Denzin that we run globally. It operates in each of our countries, which is fantastic. So I mentioned the structure up front. We have a global SMC, small, medium corporate structure. But underneath that, we have individuals in each of our core markets effectively serving over 180 countries around the world. So we are deeply aligned in core markets to the partner ecosystem in the market. The first part is reach out to Microsoft itself. If you are a managed partner, you should know who your person is. If you're not a managed partner, we have amazing distributor relationships, two tier relationships that have complete Microsoft services literally Microsoft employees working within the distributors that are there to serve. So those would be the first two areas that I would say, hey, just reach out and make sure that we're engaging with you in the right way for you. Great,
0: great answer, Kevin. So I'd like to pivot here, right? You have had an amazing career journey. You were president of Canada just before this role and did some amazing things in, in the Canadian market. Very fortunate. But such a great career. How did like? Was there a spark? Was there a pivot? Like, was there something that set you off thirty plus years ago, Kevin, on this path to success in this stellar career?
1: I <laughs> I would love to say it was all planned, Vince, but that would be a load of yes. What I you know, Sacha made a comment recently, which is one that was told to me when I was I was about twenty seven years old, and I was asked to go and have dinner with a small group of people. With the CEO of a company called Lexmark, which was a spinoff of IBM back in the, in the nineties, and I naively said to the CEO, "Is one of those kind of questions you ask when you're young." I, I stated, "I have aspirations to lead a company one day. What do I, what should I do to become the CEO of of Lexmark?" And he just looked at me and he's like, I can just imagine. He was maybe 60 years old, a senior in the industry. And he kind of chuckled a little bit. And he said, Kevin, there's a long path ahead of you. It's not determined yet for you where where you will be your happiest, where you'll be your most passionate, where your skills will align. So first, figure that out. Determine what you are most interested in and where you will apply your greatest level of energy. And alongside that, regardless of what the role is, do the best job you can in each job and good things will happen. That's what he said to me. Later, I heard Satya respond to a similar question and and Satya's CEO of Microsoft. And Satya said another thing is Satya never imagined that he would be the CEO of Microsoft. But what he did want to do was do the very best job and become the deepest of expert he could in the job that he was in. And so from my perspective, I always did have a desire to lead a company. I had that leadership, the view of being someone who would serve others while also taking responsibility and and having the, the pressure of that, plus I think the opportunity to impact were the things that I was aligned to within my own DNA. Along the way, though, it has been a journey of just such iteration. And when you talk about agility, number one, our, our industry requires agility, it requires a, a desire and a mindset that is adaptive to change. But it also requires, I would say, pretty significant resilience because what you learn to do and what you become great at suddenly in certain circumstances becomes obsolete. And so you have to do it again and again and again. And so if there's any kind of message to someone who's maybe in the earlier stages of their career or mid stages of their career is please, it's going to happen. AI is probably a bigger disruptor than we've ever had in technology. We'll see if that those words come true. Bigger than the PC, bigger than the internet, bigger than having a handheld device that has amazing compute power and information at your fingertips. It'll be fascinating to see how people adjust, adapt, demonstrate resilience, and really think of not what was, but what could be, and what potentially will be in the future. Kind of cool. It's, it's such a great time to be in this industry. What strikes me is you can't prepare for 30 years out. You, you can't prepare. In our industry, you, can, it's, you can't prepare for five years out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, one, of the, one of the things that I would say I'm most proud of in my last role in Microsoft with my Canadian leadership team is we picked a couple of things pretty early. We picked how rapidly cloud would move from, oh, I can't trust it, oh, it's not secure, oh, I really like hugging my servers and my storage devices to the most, the, the highest required compliance industries going, well, we've just studied this for three years and yeah, we need to move to the cloud. We've gone through it with our board. And therefore, we are moving to the cloud at pace. We need to move our core data to the cloud at pace. That has shifted. What we saw alongside that was the requirement to rapidly skill and invest in skilling, both within our customers, within the channel ecosystem, and within ourselves. And so the opening of Microsoft's entire portfolio of IP, all of the internal skilling that we have, opening that up to the entire ecosystem, that was the right thing to do. And and it's one of those of you can lead a horse to water, will they drink? It's their choice. In this case, it really was critical that we provide the platform for individuals to be able to advance their skills for the next wave. I, am so excited that multiple partner organizations, many, many have done that and it's paying off for them.
0: Yeah. I love seeing the transformation of our partners. We, we tend to focus on quite a few of them here. So, so great to see.
1: Yes, you bet. You bet. It's inspiring.
0: Yeah, it is very inspiring. So I have a favorite question, Kevin, and you are hosting a dinner party and you can host this amazing dinner party in any part of the world. It might be Singapore, it might be Australia, it might be in Toronto, might be in Seattle. Who knows? And you can invite any three guests, Kevin, to this amazing oh. party from the present or the past. One guest even said in the future. They had three guests from the future they wanted to invite. Whom would you invite, Kevin, and why?
1: Oh my gosh, that that's I've never thought of that before. So let me I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to be clever enough to give a, a really astounding answer, but I'm. I'm going to start out with one, which is when when I was 18 years old, I was at university in the U.S. I had an athletic scholarship, and I was down there, and it was the first day of classes, and I got a call that my father, who was 42 years old, was unfortunately killed in a, in an automobile accident. Sorry. And so he never saw me as a pure relationship because I was 18 and he was my dad, I would love to have a discussion with him adult to adult. So that would be number one. Number two is I just watched the Masters. I have been doing that since I was a kid, used to do it with my dad. I've always admired Jack Nicklaus and what he stood for. He's up there in years, but boy, he would be an intriguing, intriguing dinner guest. And... Number three would be, gosh, it's hard to do three, I would love to go in the future and see how either my daughter or my son have turned out at my age, which is in mid-late 50s, what the world's like for them. And maybe as a precursor to, well, what could we have done differently today to make their world a better world. What shouldn't we have done to make their world a better world? So that would be a fascinating dinner party.
0: That'd be absolutely fascinating. I would love to come along and meet your dad. Jack lives down here in Jupiter, Florida. Oh my gosh, year.
1: have you run across him?
0: I have run across him at dad. Oh geez, that's I happen fantastic. to know his favorite Italian restaurant, Lemoncellos. they have a beautiful portrait of he and the owner when you walk in. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, so we're going to have to, maybe we could host it down here in Jupiter. How do you, what do you think?
1: I love it. I love it. I'm there. I'll get a round of golf in there. Maybe. I'm in. I'm absolutely in.
0: (laughs) So you have been an amazing guest, Kevin. I'm so thrilled to have you today. I feel honored and privileged to have you as a guest here.
1: Thank you, Vince. For I, I know that you've been a voice of connection across the incredible ecosystem, which is the partner ecosystem. In my career, there's no way that the businesses that I've worked within would have had success without the partner ecosystem. One of them was a direct company, and one of my jobs was to initiate the partner ecosystem in Canada for that organization that was fully and solely direct, and it was incredible to see the impact that occurred for that company once we did that and how we engaged and built that ecosystem. So thank you so much to you for everything you do to connect multiple aspects of what this incredible industry does each and every day to have impact on others. Deeply appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much from, from the heart. And I would love to have you back again, Kevin. So I, in fact, I'd love to d- deep dive. We take, probably take another episode, just a deep sure. dive on your learnings, taking a direct organization to make it partner-assist and partner-led. A lot of organizations struggle with that today. Uh, yeah. they're, they're not as far along or advanced as Microsoft is in their ecosystem thinking. So we'd love to have you share some of your learnings as well in our next Yeah, step-
1: I'll be ha- happy to chat about that. It was a fascinating period. And as that organization, it now has a robust global uh, channel. Fantastic. But at one stage, it was never. So it's pretty cool to see that type of transformation occur. And I know a number of, of vendor organizations have, have had to consider that or really had to make the assessment of how far do they go or in what way do they interact with the partner ecosystem? So it's a really, really cool area of focus.
0: So, Kevin, you've been an amazing guest. I want to you thank, thank you so you again. much. Thank you. All the best. Cheers. Cheers. So there you have it. Another amazing guest joins Ultimate Guide to Partnering. And I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Odds are, if you're a technology partner executive and hearing my voice, chances are you too are looking to accelerate your success through partnerships. I mean, let's face it. We all have seen partnerships that look good on paper, but never live up to their expected results. There are a lot of reasons why partnerships fail. And at Ultimate Partnerships, we help you get it right by applying a proven set of best practices and framework that's used by leading partners working with Microsoft and other technology giants. If you want to learn more, follow the link in the show notes or visit our website at ultimateguidetopartnering.com.